welcome to episode number 82 of the Daft Souls podcast. This week it is just me, Matt Lees, and Quentin Smith. Oh, I thought you were going to go into a whole, hello everybody, a whole bit about, uh, it's just me, Matt Lees. No, 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 I'm going to be talking just come alone. In, but... Come closer into the microphone. Hi everybody. Oh, let's get intimate, because as there's just two of us, the sound quality is better. Anyway, this week's podcast is basically just going to be um, about Duskers. Dusk chat. Um, because uh, Quinn's has been telling me for ages <laughs> that Duskers is amazing. And Quince tells me that lots of things are amazing, some of which I agree with, others I don't. I told you the, uh, the other, oh, I forgot to tell you the other day, I had a really amazing trip to your house to record the podcast, because I don't know if you've ever seen popular anime Sailor Moon. I have heard of it. Well, there's a very famous scene in it where the girl uh, has to run to school, but she's got toast in her mouth, and she's running with a piece of toast in her mouth. And I did that on the way to your house, and I was like, this is just like Sailor Moon. That was amazing. That's great. Yeah, it was good. Um, so yeah, I tell you lots of things are amazing. Yeah, you do. You tell me lots of things are amazing, and that's great. Your enthusiasm is, is infectious, but I always love it when you say something's amazing and I play it, and holy George on a bicycle. Oh, it actually is it good. It really is. Like, okay. Duskers is genuinely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably put about 12 hours into it. I'm still on my first run, which is... Astonishing. Un- yeah, unlikely. Um, I just seem to have a, like an aptitude for these things somehow. Maybe. I think it also could be the case that um, Duskers is very much a game that lets you decide how greedy you want to be, but we should, we should explain what yeah. it is. Yeah, And I actually have been um, very nervous about this game's release, because the way it looks, if you were to look at Duskers, it doesn't yeah. look great, especially in screenshots. You know, I was saying on Twitter, I was saying, look, if you just go off the back of me saying something once this year, just buy Duskers. I think I said exactly the same thing because on Twitter. It, it's funny, I said, like, I know what you're thinking. You're looking at pictures of it or video, and then you're looking at the price, and you're going, eh, and don't, like, because you're wrong. And it's funny how, like, two or three people say, oh, man, you read my mind. It's like, it's because it's, it's a problem. Like, you look at this stuff, and you go, it looks very basic. And you forget that actually it isn't very basic at all. It's just that appearances can be deceptive. It is just as uh, you know feature-rich and smart and intense as any £15 game. And even though in small bits of it you look at it and it looks very visually simple, there's a lot of visual nuance to it as you go along. And, and so much mechanical nuance as oh, well. Oh, yeah. It so, is fantastic. So it's a drone operation game. <laughs> yeah, all right. So the idea is that I think I, like, I still like the phrase that I used in the um, Cogwatch video mm-hmm. I did on it, um, which is that it's a post-apocalyptic game in a very true sense, meaning everyone is dead. Like... Even the merchants, they're dead. The people, they're dead. You are probably dead. I almost certainly am sure that, because it's never really specified, but I think you're a, a robot, like an AI that's just pottering around the galaxy with AI well, drones. I don't know, you're getting letters, or maybe you don't know they from. You're getting emails from somebody or something. Yeah. So who knows? But yeah, it's, it's very bleak, but it also just ends up feeling like, it's kind of like a cross between... That turtle thing that you used to get. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so uh, here in the UK, I guess, I don't know how much this transfers. Maybe it was Europe wide. But people had a small robot turtle. Um, This was in, I guess. It was like a plastic dome with robotics in it. The mid 90s. Yeah, and the idea was that it taught kids programming because this was a real life robot turtle and then you could type like go forward one meter. And it had a pen stuck in its bum, basically, and it would go (laughs) go forward 20 and then turn and. You got to kind of like navigate it around. Um, but Why did was... you wait? Sorry, sorry. Let's just stop it. Why did it have a pen in its bum? Why... So it would draw a line on paper, so you could put paper on the floor, and then it means you could basically like try and okay. draw an image or try and like you could remember its path anyway. Like you could get a sense of oh, that's cool. To. Well, yeah. So it's kind of like a cross between that and the film. Aliens. But wouldn't that just kind of look like it was just sort of uh, being incontinent as it travelled, like a very old turtle? Uh, no, it just looked like it had a felt tip attached to it. It wasn't really stuck in its bum. It's just it, I just like to imagine it was because it's like it was basically. I mean, they call it a turtle, but it was basically just a kind of 
alien-style dome. It wasn't really anything. Yeah, and Dusk is, if it borrows uh, aesthetics from anything, it's um, the original Aliens, or, mm-hmm. sorry, Alien even, um, the idea of a, of a willfully 1980s-era computer, which is why the screenshots look so... Um, uh, disappointing, but why it's so immediately immersing when you start yeah. playing it. Because in screenshots, it looks like a game from the 80s, but then you start playing it, and no, it's like you're on a the the ship from the movie Aliens, and yeah. you're controlling everything via a command prompt, just like the turtle you had in school. And it school. is just incredibly immersive because of that, because you really do feel like you are just an operator. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those beautiful things where the keyboard is the perfect input for the game, because it's the same one you would have if you were a drone operator, were, yeah. And also the fact it doesn't, it, you know, often even in menus, it's like it doesn't let you use the mouse. Like you have a pointer sometimes, but you can't use the mouse. It's I, wait, all, there's a pointer? Well, yeah, if you move around, there's a mouse pointer on the, still on the screen, but it doesn't do anything. Okay. You can't do anything with it. Everything is about keyboard shortcuts. And even on the menus, you kind of have to fiddly kind of move around and, and you, you start to learn the shortcuts and stuff so you can do things more quickly. And there's no pace there. You don't need to. It's just that feeling of, like, control No, now see, you're doing that. The you know? thing I want to throw in now is that... Um, so, yeah, you're, you're exploring derelicts and controlling your drones and looking for scrap, and it's a roguelike as you explore this stuff. But um, I just wanted to round that off. But in terms of finishing conversation about the control, I think there's an association people have when we describe, like, command prompts and when mm-hmm. we describe you only control it with the keyboard. Because in real life, the only um, circumstances where you have to use command prompts and keyboard shortcuts are if you're like reinstalling windows from like DOS shortcuts. <laughs> if you fucked your Yeah, it's circumstances where these things are not designed to feel good. But yeah. Duskers is controlled by keyboard shortcuts to be immersive but also... Um, Tim Keenan and um, the rest of uh, Misfits Attic, the developers behind Duskers, have put in the effort to make keyboard shortcuts feel immediate and yes. punchy and good. You know, yes. you you tell a joint to do something, and that's actually a good little beep and a bit of feedback, and it happens instantly in a way that I think people don't associate um, command prompts with necessarily. Yeah, so I guess that's another important preconception is the fact that a lot of people I talk to say, "Oh, well, you know, is it kind of programmingy?" And it's like, no. no. Not at all. Like, it is so simple. Even the fact that, like, if you want to move a drone, you type in navigate. Or you, you can... You, you type can, in NAV and it autofills. Yes. Like, uh, you can also control drones with the cursor keys, which... You, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, yeah. That's the kind of thing is it, you have you have the opportunity, basically. So you can be have this thing. We have the map and you can see them all and you can literally go, okay, open door 15. You type in D15 to open that and then you go uh, navigate drones one, two, three to this room but then at any point you can tap the number key and then directly control that drone and drive it around using the keys yeah. um, to like like you would drive a little mini tank. I that's ha- essential. That's such a vital part. I had an incredible thing that happened. So um, of the million surprises in Duskers as you're exploring these old spaceships, and yeah, it's a roguelike. It's also very much kind of got a lot in common with horror games because... You know, there are monsters out there in the derelicts. You have to kind of deal yeah. with them in some yeah. way. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, like Invisible Ink, it's a game where you just get what you need and get out. Um, you know, you don't always get everything necessarily, and especially on harder derelicts if you're not equipped. Um, like Invisible Ink, it's a game that goes, oh, there's so much wonderful stuff for you to have. But smart players will just get to the room with, like, another drone in, tow that back, and then leave. Because, yeah. Um, uh, but, so one of the many things it can do... A drone's camera feeds can fail. Oh, yeah, I know. <coughs> so, um, here's something I didn't know that could happen, though. Um, so, drone's camera feeds can fail, so you might be controlling a drone remotely, and then suddenly it's blind. So, you have to control it from the map screen. Did you know the map screen oh, yes. camera can fail? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, I didn't know that could happen. So, when the map screen camera fails, then the only option you have is to control the drones manually. Yep. But the amazing thing about that is the camera is so zoomed in when you're controlling a drone manually that... I don't know if you've seen Pushing Tin, which is a, um, a 
movie from the 90s about um, air traffic control operators. And there's a scene where there's a power cut and um, the person who is on the phone to the pilot's being like, okay, circle, don't crash into this plane, land here. Um, the power cut means that he loses his map. And so it's just like, well, his and his colleague says, okay, I hope you remembered where all the planes are. Yeah. And it's exactly the same in Duskers of me yeah. being like, okay, I didn't know this could happen. And now I have to remember the map. Yeah. Because all my drones were in different rooms. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, a huge thing I've had is the fact that like, I don't know why, but a lot of the time my camera feed, my main camera feed just goes. And also because of the fact that, because it is a roguelike, effectively the game is all about spending scrap effectively. You're looking for scrap on the ships, yep. you, but you need scrap to repair your equipment. And your equipment, like, and your equipment degrades so It just far. breaks all the time. Yeah. And it's nice in the fact that what it does is it, as it, every time you use it in a mission, so actually it kind of rewards you for sometimes being, like... Oh, stingy with thrifty, equipment. Yeah. Like, what do I actually need? Like, Because if you take all your best stuff, it's all going to break. Well, it only breaks if you use it. Yes, precisely. So it only... So like, you can take it, it with you, but then it's the thing of, like, you've got a turret, but if you turn it on, then... Oh, is it only... Okay, I thought it was if you had it equipped. Some stuff is different. So, like, um, permanent buffs... Um, like if you equip, uh, for example, uh, like the speed boost, the speed boost, yeah. or on your actual ship, if you if you every time you slot the quarantine bypass and stuff, yeah, anytime you slot permanent buffs in or out, that's when they degrade. Uh, um, right, but okay. stuff that gets used, it's only if you use it. Gotcha. I think. Gotcha. I, I'm not entirely sure, but it's the fantastic thing is that nothing ever breaks during a mission. That's a that's a really key. Oh, thing. really? No. So what will happen is it will say like it's got a twenty percent chance of failure. That won't happen until the end of the mission. Oh, no, so, I've had stuff fail on me. Really, apart from the camera feeds? Really? Uh, yes, I have had bombs that I have... I've planted a bomb in a room, lured a monster into the room, closed all the doors, and gone, detonate bomb. And then the command prompt goes, yeah, it's not responding. Are you uh, sure it's because it wasn't... Yeah, because I did it. No, I did it. I, I typed it and typed it and typed it. And on like the seventh or eighth go, it worked. Wow. Yeah. So stuff it, there, stuff can go. <laughs> Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, no, I'm sure. But generally speaking, it's like you kind of think, well, it'll be all right as long as it doesn't break. And you, But you end up running out of money. And it means it comes this thing of being like, well, I need this. Like, if I lose this, I can't play. Um, and I really messed up in my game early on because it gives you a motion sensor at the start of the game, which basically allows you to... you you keep it running and then in all of the kind of adjacent rooms you can see uh, what's going on in terms of motion green yep. a little green blippy back and forth means nothing in the room great red <laughs> means there is definitely something in there and which is also good good to know it's yeah. great to know you just go alright well we're not going in there but then more often than not you just get yellow which just means scanning conclusive which just means like well there might be something in there but you're going to have to find out. And it's it's wonderful then that it becomes this weird puzzle of then being like, okay, well, if I can open the doors between a yellow room and a green room, mm-hmm. then if there is a monster in there and it walks into the green room, the green room will go red. And so you'll then know that there was something in there. Yep. So it becomes, it's almost like a bit like Minesweeper, this game. Of oh, yeah. Like, you, you never really want to go into a room where you don't know what is in there. I mean, occasionally you do, but you never want to do that. The, re- the simple puzzle that you're wrestling with that's so good is that there are like 20 different upgrades you can have on drones. There's about 10 different upgrades you can find for your ship. And depending on what you have, you have to solve situations in different ways because yeah. you can't bring everything with you. And if you did, it would all start breaking anyway. So you you just described the motion uh, thing, right? Yeah. That's one thing you can do. You could also, uh, my main thing that I always end up doing in my campaigns, which is incredibly dangerous, and I don't know why I do it, but I just have one do- drone with a stealth drive. Yeah, it's great. So rather than having, uh, like, doing any motion scanning, I just have one little forward scout who goes into rooms. Has a look. And has a look. You can and, do that. And tries not to, like, bump into threats yeah. because if it does, then something 
sometimes the threat Notices. has a little pop at the darkness. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a thing. I mean, that's it, it does reward you for just being a bit risky. I mean, as I said, I lost my motion thing, and it meant instead I got these things called sensors, and it means you just type in SENS, and then it will also fill sensor. You drop it in the room, and then you can see immediately, and it's 100% accurate whether there is anything in the room or not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just open the door, walk, like press forward, SENS, boom, and then and you see it red. <laughs> as soon as the room goes red, you just rewrite, reverse, reverse, and then just shut the door. But what's wonderful is, even though it's not like complicated in the programming sense, what I love is that when you're trying to type commands in quickly, mm-hmm. you can get it wrong. Oh, I, I like, mean, this was my whole point in Cogwatch of like, Getting commands wrong. Because when a threat... Dusk is one of the slowest paced games. Like, it's very slow if you want it to yeah, be. Yeah, now, when it kicks off, it's like, go, go, go. But the majority of the time, it, it's so chilled out. It's yeah. a game where you mostly wait. The description that I get, which makes it sound way less exciting than I know, it is. but it's awesome. But but when stuff does kick off and you do have a threat, um, it's sudden... I, I've, the comparison I've been making is it suddenly becomes like typing of the dead. Oh, our curry's here. Uh-oh. It's all right. We'll put it in the oven. To the curry mobile. Curry is in the oven. Good, good job. That was incredibly fast. It was. It was almost like we stopped the podcast and then restarted it. So it's like typing of the dead because you need to respond to things so quickly, and mm. um, and that is just such a. It's incredible how the game just turns on a dime. Like if you get a, th- a threat to use the game's terminology, and by the way, we're going to spoil nothing in Duskers in this yeah. podcast. Just buy it because discovering what's out there. It's tough because it's one of these things where there are so many wonderful surprises in that game. Um, and I'd love to share them because it would entice people to play it, but it's just the discovery of them for me has made the game. Oh, so your, you've just got to trust your chat log message when you discovered the fourth type of threat yeah. to me was like... I mean, I've had a couple of things happen where you just... Because you'll often play for like five hours and then something will happen and you'll think, what's that? What's going on? And mm. you won't know and it won't tell you, it won't pop up with a tooltip being like, oh, this is my happen now <laughs> even just like you, you hear a noise and you're like what was that what does that mean oh yeah and then things happen and the, you just go ah oh, and, and I will mention that it's worth playing Duskers either with headphones or with the sound up because there's actually a lot of very quiet audio cues before some stuff goes wrong yes so as a pro drone operator it's it's actually just one more thing you can learn from and it, even like, some things that you don't hear as much if you're controlling the drone as you do from when you're in the like the driving seat oh really people. yeah you get a different audio mix. I knew it was the other way around. But... Again, I think adds to that immersiveness of it being like when you're controlling the drone, you feel like you're getting the audio feed of the drone. But when you are like controlling it from the um, from the map view where you yeah. can see all the drones, you are in the ship that's docked. So you're kind yes. of like close, but not that close. You can hear some like distant rumbling and stuff. Yeah, and it means you hear kind of like, yeah, you kind of hear atmospheric sounds of, like, the ship in general. And talking about being distant, like, uh, this game has some of the best XCOM-style, oh, God, I can't believe I lost a drone. Have you lost oh, a drone yes, yet? Yes, I've lost two drones. Um, the you, first did you one, recover them? The first one I can... Uh, is, this seems to be a mistake that everybody makes, but, um, yeah, I kind of... I killed it by accident. Oh, well, by stupid. opening an airlock? No, it was to do with... um. It's not a huge spoiler. It was a turret, basically. I, I, oh, classic. I activated the defences on the ship to to clear the monsters, and then I was going to like collect the goodies in the room, and... But you left the turrets on. And what was lovely is you don't even see the turret shooting you. I just walked into the room, and it just suddenly went, and the feed just went, and I was like... Oh, did you get a command prompt thing going, monster killed in room? <laughs> oh, no, no. But that, oh, this is... You know, I saw Tim Keenan tweeting about this, because Matt just did a face when he said... Um, and uh, it just made a noise, and he pulled like a stricken expression in real life. Yeah. Um, and everyone does this. And I saw Tim, que- Tim Keenan tweeting... Um, 
a YouTuber, uh, some it was just some girl who was showing, and it, she did exactly what I did, and it's Tim says it's his favourite thing for anyone to do in the game, that when something goes wrong, you have that initial moment of... <gasps> And then you just hold that you face. You freeze, yeah. You freeze, and you just cannot process what's happened. Maybe you, like, close the door to the room to contain whatever's happened. Yeah. And then you have ten seconds of just heart in mouth, I cannot believe it. Because maybe you've been playing for three, four hours without a mistake. Yep. But then after that moment, then you just go... Okay, what's next? Like, how do yeah. we get that drone back? Yeah, absolutely. Because the drone's got all the stuff you need. Absolutely. And sometimes you think, okay, in this case it was easy. I just went, oh, oh my god. Okay, right, fine. And then I was like, well... I'll switch off the defences and I'll go in. And I was like, oh, I don't have a toe because the drone that was killed had the toe. <laughs> but then it's like, no, it's fine because it's effectively a destroyed drone. So I just go in and I swap an item yeah. from another thing. And that means I swap the toe from the destroyed drone and you give onto a new one. Yeah. Then they can tow him back to the ship. Fine. But what is worse is when these things happen and you have that moment where literally your just jaw drops and you go, oh my God. And then you realise there's nothing you can do. And you start being like, at one point I lost my generator drone in a way which you know about, but we're not going to talk about. Uh, yeah. But I lost my generator drone. Generator drones are really important because they power like areas of the ship, which means like if you've got an area of the ship powered, it means you can open and close the doors. Which you is, know? it's as if that's the most important thing in the game. It's so important. And it means having lost this, I was like, not only have I lost this now, I cannot get to it. It's like I had the ability. Oh, really? Well, I had the ability to pry open doors. Yeah. And I could, that means you can pry open like doors that aren't powered. <laughs> but I was still just like, there were so many factors to it that I just thought, maybe I can get to it. But because it was a time sensitive issue, it was this thing of my, I'd spent about five minutes trying to formulate a plan, by which point I knew if I went into that room, it would be suicide. So I just had to kind of... And what was worst is, literally this happened to me at a point where about two or three minutes earlier, I just thought to myself, you know, you've been sitting trying to formulate a plan for this final room and this thing for about four or five minutes. Maybe you should just leave. Like, mm-hmm. because up until this point, I had no idea that there was ever any time-sensitive stuff. And it, there are occasionally things that are time-sensitive, but I always thought they were like a bit avoidable or a bit more flagged, whereas then you realise stuff sometimes can just happen without warning. In a good way, though. It doesn't completely screw you over. Yeah. But, you, but it becomes that wonderful thing of, like, you have to fight that oh-my-God moment. Because it's not, like, turn-based, like XCOM, where you have this oh-my-God moment, but then you can just sit going, yeah. oh-my-God, for ten minutes. So there's two things about it that I love with, about rather than XCOM, whereas XCOM so often has, like, if something goes badly, then there's no recovering that. It's just it turns you, you're sort of, like, pleasant drifting through the mission into, like, well, this is an awful experience now. Yeah. But all Duskers happens is that when a disaster occurs, it just makes the level super interesting. Yeah. Like, it just makes it fascinating. But also, I think one of the reasons that Duskers is so unbelievably strong as a puzzle game is that you know every single factor, and which means that everyone makes mistakes and everyone fails. But you are failing in ways... Like, it's so hard to not lose a drone in Duskers and be like, that was so my fault. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's only, like... It's a game with, like, I don't know, 15 factors, and you know all of them by the end of the first mission. And then, so when something goes wrong, it was absolutely your mistake. You went into the room, you didn't do this, you forgot about this, and then it's it's all on you. Even simple stuff, like, at one point, a room suddenly became very dangerous, and I panicked because I had two drones in there, and I just typed in, like, to get the two drones out of it, but I hadn't looked at the numbers properly, and I moved a different drone, so one of them started <laughs> And then the other one uh, didn't, but then another drone moved. But then the problem was because the other drone I moved by accident was the generator drone. The power went. Oh, doors, so good! Which I couldn't lock shut it, the doors. Locking the. And, then, oh. and it's just this thing of like, you just have to. You find yourself just going. 
whilst just like basically methodically going, okay, open this door, move this thing there, close that door. Okay, look at that. And just frantically looking around the map as if to go, okay, okay, is everything fine? Do I need to shut the, do you shut the open that? <laughs> yeah. Close that. Um, move the ship around to this airlock. Okay, fine. And it, it's not like, but what's wonderful is we talk about these things, right? And it makes it, the game sound like it's really constantly intense. And the wonderful thing is it isn't. I think the best way to describe it is that moment in Aliens where somebody calls over Ripley and the other people and goes, oh, you know, the camera feed's gone. Yeah. Or the drone feed's gone. And they're all looking going, what do you mean it's gone? And that, that's the point where something's just happened and everyone's excited. But you don't do that. You also just do the bit where you're methodically just going around doing Collecting your job. scrap, yeah. And doing a good job of your job is wonderful of it being like, you kind of almost, it's a sort of... You definitely that's... feel like a professional. Yeah. And again, a way that XCOM... Ne- like... XCOM either made me feel like, oh, this mission's too easy, or like, and I, I like XCOM. Well, you never know who you are, really. You're technically the commander. Yeah, right? but in terms of the difficulty level, it's a lot of those sort of like, you know, either something's a bit too easy, or it's very easy to sort of like cheese that game or discover strategies that, well, this is this is OP, this works, and I love it. I love my sniper, but, you know, now I'm blitzing through this. Whereas Dusk is, so often you finish a level and you go like, I did good today. Like, that was clean. That yeah. was clinical. Especially when sometimes you're faced with a problem and you really have to just start racking your brains and remembering. Also, just remembering, like, which... Dr- you cannot quickly go back and look at which drone has what in terms of equipment. Yeah. But just remembering off the back of your head, like, what number is the, the one to type in for each task. And that's all, like... That's not a game thing. You've designed that. Like yeah, You chose what, drones, chosen have what drones have what It's funny. I've, I've uh, built myself into patterns because, um, like you said, I, I can't have that be a problem, especially on, like, the later levels that I'm at. So I uh, generator drone is always number two. Um, my gatherer tow drone is always number one. My explorer drone is number three. And my problem-solving drone is number four. Mm. And... I or even if I'm a drone short because I've had some disastrous mission, and I only have like two drones. Yeah. I still have to. Mo- I don't have drones one and two. I have drones two and four because that that mental connection has to be immediate. Like yep. so, I, I it's bizarre. I'll even do the incredibly awful thing of like my gatherer drones. So my first one in my longest campaign was called like Crow or something. And because it, it it always needs to be a bird now. So it can't be the same bird because that would be weird because <laughs> I have to like, you know, give Crow like the, you know, rest in peace in memoriam yeah, 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 shit. Yeah. So I have like, you know, Bluebird or whatever as my gatherer. It's so weird. I love it so much. Yeah, you do become weirdly attached to these guys as well. But Especially I- have you found a... F- well, there are special drones that you can find that are like hen's teeth, and then when you well, it's them, even it's... like a subtle, simple thing on the visual. <coughs> Again, talking about the fact that it's actually deceptively detailed, despite the game looking very basic. But I love that different types of drones because there are just slight variations. Mm. Their, their camera feeds are different. They like different yeah, colors. They, they make different beeps when you yeah, tap on them. They make yeah. different beeps, which reminds me of Silent Running loads, and I love that. But also the fact that it's the fact that you're switching between the different feeds and they see the world because the worlds are 3D worlds but you only see certain information of them. They see yeah. them differently. Yeah, I got a really good, um, like a 140 hit point drone which is like a very high, yeah, it's, like, pretty it's a beefy thing but it was basically blind <laughs> Like because the feed was this shade of maroon that was so thick yeah. that it, I couldn't use it as my explorer drone which is what I wanted to because it yeah. was blind. So eventually it just became this like inexplicably tough generator drone which worked out. Well, for ages like, I was really cheap and I wasn't paying to repair the video feeds of my drones <laughs> yeah. because I thought well it's fine I've got the main camera and then I had this situation where like the main camera just failed for like four or five minutes in a mission and I was just staring at <laughs> saying video signal gone and I was like I need to I started feeling I need to really leave. worried because I was like I'll oh, just wait it'll come back on the signal will come back but then it's like I've been sitting here for a long time I don't like this and so it meant I had to actually just manually like 
switch to the only drone that had a good camera feed and then get him like in vision of other people <laughs> and then just keep driving them blind until they hit a wall and then looking at where they were. Oh, my God. And, yeah, I mean, that when you're also kind of starting to get a bit panicky about what might be on the ship is like, no, oh, come on, because you don't know what's going on, so you don't get like information about whether the doors are okay or anything. Like, ah, oh, it's so good. But it's it's weird how it goes from being, like, intense and exciting, but also still being... The weird thing is, like, with XCOM... It's only really fun when you're up against it. That bit at the start of the mission where everything's going 100% smoothly and nothing's really happening is kind of boring. Whereas in this, like, you do get that simple job satisfaction of when you're just clearing ships. Like, I had, like, four missions in a row where I never even saw anything because I just did a really efficient job of just, like, having a system for checking rooms before I went into Yeah, and the game rewards you for that, and you really do feel good. But, again, a lot of time you're just, like, very gradually just going through, and even things like probes. I just, I have a stealth probe, and it means I... The first thing I do now is I sit and I just... Open the doors. And you let your stealth probe wander through. Let the stealth probe wander through. It means I don't know where any of the enemies are, but I know what is in all of the rooms. So I know like what where the, where the good stuff is and where the, what rooms are pointless. To you say into. you haven't done an outpost yet, right? No. Uh, yeah. So the it's um the I so this isn't this isn't really a spoiler. Uh, the outposts are uh, introduce a really interesting mechanic, which is fucking awful so um th- to get onto planet bound or asteroid bound outposts you need to have a, a teleporter to your ship uh attached to it right so the teleporter is like the teleporter from star trek you type um transport one two three r1 and it beams four drones to r1 um but initially when you start the level rather than your ship docking anywhere where which lets you, you play with airlocks and stuff you well no because only one room will have or maybe two will have a transport signal right so you can only beam into rooms with transport signals right so you beam everyone into room one and then you they're in the complex but transport signals decay and are created elsewhere so what could happen is you beam your drones in and it goes oh we've lost the signal in this room you have to you get your out so it's basically like a, a helicopter pickup yes it is like, yeah you've got to get to this room yeah and, and obviously because different generators can power different parts of the complex it could like and God knows what's in that complex with you. I mean, I haven't had it yet, but I've had a couple of times where I was, like, taking a risk and thinking there's a good chance now that if this goes wrong, like, this drone won't be dead, but there'll just be no way I can get it back. Mm -hmm. Like, it will just be trapped in a room and I'll have no way of getting it back. And that will be the saddest thing. Wait till a drone dies and blocks the corridor that you oh, need to get out yeah it's, it's just the, the many and varied ways that I, like I've never really died in the in that game the same way twice but you know what I'm looking forward to you having because you've you've lost one or two drones yeah but it is possible for things to go so pear-shaped in duskers like uh maybe the pinnacle of it and this is maybe where it, uh I don't know why we're comparing it to XCOM or Invisible Link so much but maybe where it can uh it deviates from Invisible Link and XCOM as much as possible is you can lose one drone and then the threat gets through to a door and, and kills the second drone and then you realise that the third drone in there that you meant to save the day but then the, the threat kills the third drone and you've lost three drones and you've got one drone and it's got like uh, you know it's got a pry it's and a, a turret yeah. and, a, and a toe and it's in a room by itself in an unpowered ship and, you, and you're and you like this close to typing reset into the command line which resets the campaign but interestingly you keep all your story progress so there is a sort of perma campaign because all your story missions yeah. stick around but you reset your progress but you'll be this close to typing reset and then you'll go no I think I can do it I 
I can do that. And then at that point, it's like, it's it dusk has become this Sudoku puzzle of, okay, if I go to that, if I assume the threat's in the other room, I can get that one upgrade yeah. from that one drone. And, get, and then it, it's like phenomenal. Yeah, and that's it. That's the thing of being like, you get to have that moment like in A's where somebody's like, no, wait, no, wait, there's a second backup drone. There. You can like <laughs> yeah. activate that. And-, and if we reprogram that to tow the drone into the oh, ship. I mean, it is, yeah, it's just a phenomenal game. If you grew up watching um, like great sci-fi films in the 70s and 80s like it's just absolutely unmissable it's uh it's genuinely a lot of people have been saying like it's already in there like so far in 2016 it's in their like top three games to come out so far this year it's definitely one of my games of the year and I mean, it's, it's really on par with like something like FTL, maybe even better. You know, I think it's one of those things I'm, I'm kind of amazed that this isn't the kind of game that everyone is playing and everyone's talking well, it's about. It's just it looks wrong. No, sure, sure. But it's funny how it's like. But that's why people like you and me need to scream about it. And people listen to this podcast, you know, just like get it. I'll tell you what, man, like for £12, if you hate Duskers that much, I will mail you £12. I'm not going to actually mail you £12, but I will mail you £12. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I mean, I'm. I, it's one of those things where 12 hours has blown by. And I haven't felt dirty in the slightest, which is a nice thing. Well, like Stellaris, I really enjoyed that. But after about 20 hours, 10, You're like, hours, what am I doing with yeah, my time? Yeah, you start to go, what am I doing? Because you realise it is just the kind of the hooks of the numbers have got into you. Whereas in this, it's uh, it always feels very much like a little narrative unfolding. And, and it, God, it makes you feel like you are good at your job. Mm. Or when, when you mess it up, God, it makes you feel stupid. You know, what I love is that you might have that bit where you've got to type in frantically loads of stuff and you might get something wrong. That could happen. Often it doesn't. But what I love is this thing <coughs> is opening doors is just D and then a number. And which door you open is crucial. And I love that at any point you can just make a slight typo. You just, <laughs> yeah. You can type in door 24 instead of door 23. And what's behind door 24? Do you know? Maybe you know, but maybe you don't. And I just love that it's, it's kind of that like we talk about games holding your hand. Um, in this, Duskers is very rarely a game that does occasionally... It does do it very occasionally. You say, are you sure you want to do this? Like, with big things, it goes like, you sure you know this? Because you can do this first. Yeah. And in case you type something back to them. But with a door, it's not going to do that. And it will just let you do whatever you want. It's so. v- it very much feels like the developers have just... It's like a kid and looking at the sword and going, can I play with the sword? And then the, It's like being a shit uncle who goes, hey, play with the sword. <laughs> Go outside, play with the sword, do whatever you want. It's wonderfully trusting, wonderfully precise, and God, atmospheric. I'm not... It's Lots of people have said, is it horror And I don't think it is. I think it's like in about 12 hours, I've maybe had three... Three times when I've like kind of almost jumped out of my skin, mm. um, but those are very very rare. Yeah, it's more like um, surprise than horror, you know. And after you've played it for a couple of hours, you'll see what its game is. Yeah, you won't be afraid anymore. No, yeah, it has a couple of things that scare you, but it's definitely not, I'd say, a horror game or a scary game. It's just one of the tricks it has up its sleeve is uh, occasionally just making you jump. But it's very rare. It's so good, so good. Uh, should we do a few questions? Just yeah, I'll briefly talk this. about something else, actually. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah, I was playing a game on the weekend, which I played a bit before with my brother. Oh, a yes. A game called Crawl. Now, I know you checked this out, and you didn't really uh, hit off with it straight away, which I can completely understand why. Um, first time I played it, it was just me and my brother. We played two players, and it meant you had two AI characters. This mm-hmm. time we played with a full complement of four, and it was really good fun. Basically, the idea in Crawl is that... Um, one person is the hero, and then the other three people 
are monsters, but you're not monsters all the time. You have to wait for the hero to walk into a room that has like monster summon bits on the floor, and then you randomly summon one of the three different types of monster you can be, depending on what character you've chosen. But what's nice is then you've all got to collectively grind the hero down to no health, mm-hmm. and then the person to get the last hit becomes the hero. But then when you are the hero, you level up and each time you die and come back, you're still the same level you were. And the aim of the game is to get your hero to level 10. And then you can go to the boss room and have a a fight with a boss fight. And if you beat the boss, then you've won. And amazingly, if people are trying to imagine this, think of like Golden Axe, like that sort of isometric wandering around arcade machine brawl. Yeah. Um, And then, but yeah, when the hero takes on the boss... um, all of the players control different parts of the boss. Yes. Like, it, yes. It, you know, you might control its three different heads or it, its head and its two arms. Yes. And, which is it's so kind of, dumb. It's mad and, and dumb, but it's wonderfully frantic. And the first time I played it, I was like, there was too much going on. It was just felt really messy. It was just like, whoa. It's like kind of an overload because it does have a kind of uh, purposefully muddy, bloody kind of art palette and very simple pixel art. So it's almost just a bit too overwhelming. Um, but... When you kind of get your head around that and get into like the the, the busyness of it, it's kind of superb um, because also like what we didn't get at first was it felt when you were the the hero, it just feels really frustrating because it's just like there's too much going. Because on. there's three monsters that are all just spamming attacks. Yeah, and you. also the ghosts. The, the monsters aren't really monsters; they're ghosts, and they can basically summon in monsters and and possess them. They can also get into traps. Mm. They can like go into a trap and they can keep firing arrow traps at you or blade traps and just basically bothering you and hoping that you don't notice that you can either just barrage them with stuff and really annoy them or just stay in something and wait till they come nearby and then go whoop and piss them off that way. Um, But also you kind of, when you're not doing either of these things, the ghosts can fly around and collect these sort of like uh, ethereal nuggets, which allow them to just drop a slime in the room. And when you drop a slime in the room, at first we didn't get that because the slimes seem rubbish. You can kill them in like two hits and they're not very useful. But what we started to realize was it's not a game about being a hero and then your friends being monsters that fight the hero. It's a game where the hero just wants to get through the bloody rooms mm-hmm. and the monsters collaborate to just be really annoying. <laughs> and it's not about trying to kill the, the hero. It's about being an arsehole. And at that point, the game suddenly just became hilarious. We had a scenario where we just had two of us who were playing as gnomes. <laughs> all gnomes can do is a little light punch and drop a trap. They can drop a, like, a bear trap. So we just kept running to the corner of the room and just dropping loads of bear traps whilst the hero was just like, oh. And then any time he came nearby, we had somebody who was also using a trap to just batter him. And it's just this thing of like, you're just sitting there as the hero going, ah, because <laughs> the monsters are being so annoying. At basically like standing next to a dangerous trap and running in circles and basically just being evasive. <laughs> Um, but it's hilarious because it means that when you are the hero, it's this thing of you're technically winning, you're doing well, but then everyone else in the room is just laughing their heads off at how much of an arsehole they're being in terms of being like, I was running around as a spider leaving webs and it meant every time he was trying to kill me, he was getting stuck in the webs and then a little gnome was dropping traps by his feet. And it's just like, it's just a wonderful like fury and laughter charged thing. Um, and it works really, really well. I like the way that you describe this. And I I was so excited when I first picked it up. And I do think it's such an awesome idea. Like the idea of letting, um, like having a, this traditional arcade brawler and then you're controlling monsters. Like that, that is great. I think the one thing that 
really did bother me is that lots of the monsters aren't those spiders and gnomes, right? Lots of the monsters at high levels are just like, it's a big demon with a big fireball attack and a big swipe. Yeah. yeah. And the combat then just is very imprecise. Like, and it's, it, you know, it's battering. It's, you know, pressing buttons and slapping at each other and then... I felt actually the opposite. I felt sometimes it was frustratingly, like, precise in terms of, like, lots of them have, like, aimed attacks, which are really hard to Oh, manage. sure. I guess I just... Uh, you know what? I, it's been a while since I've played it, so I'll just say... The, the combat... The jokes of it felt incredible, but the combat, which is most of what you're doing is a little fluffy and weak like no I thought it was okay I thought it wasn't even a it, 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 kind of all of the early level monsters like start off with the kind of irritating things like traps and things to slow down and then the idea is that the more time you spend as a monster and not the hero your monster powers level up and you can upgrade down this evolution chain of stuff and it, they do get like bit a bit silly um, but they don't all become like that they don't all some of them become much more offensive and much more dangerous at doing damage but then you have like one of them is like a kind of Cthulhu-style wizard thing, and one of his abilities was just literally, he almost just like teleports to the other side of the room, which is just unbelievably infuriating, because then you have this hero just running back and forth trying to slash at you whilst you just keep teleporting away. Meanwhile, people in the room are just dropping traps or dropping slimes, and you have this wonderful thing where you get into this weird rhythm where when somebody runs into a room that's full of traps but no enemies, somebody just drops a slime. And you have this thing also of being like, I'll just drop a slime and then I'll possess a slime and I'll just stand in behind a box. And then you have this thing. Of, <laughs> if, the, if the hero hasn't seen it, then the hero is running around this room trying to dodge all of these fucking traps whilst just going, where the fuck are you? Where are you at? Um, yeah, I don't know. It became like quite, um, I think the only problem with it is it's like, it's so intense. Um, and it did feel like precise enough for me, but it, it was just like really, really like, um, it's very fast. It's way faster than the game that's emulating is a weird thing. Like oh, yeah. rather than like, you know, the the Streets of Rage and the Golden Axe, which are sort of like comparatively slow and have a bit of well, tactical. I don't think it's even emulating that really. I mean it has an isometric thing, but it's far deeper. It's not like a kind of two D side scroller. It's like whole like whole depth rooms. Yes. I know what you mean, but I think that's what I think I was odd about it. I didn't really know what to make of it at first, and I think it's because it's not actually... It's emulating the style of that era of games, but I think in terms of what it's doing, it's actually like... It's quite... Um, it's quite different. I think it's definitely worth the people at home giving a shot, because yeah, I think it's yeah, a really cool idea. Yeah, basically, like, it's, it's okay with two. With four people, it's great. I think you've got to, like, stick with it for about two or three games, because at first it just seems really obtuse and hard to get your head around. And it's not perfect by any means, but... Uh, in terms of multiplayer games that are just raucous and a lot of fun, I, I I really was surprised by it. I went from being my first game, I was like, this is all right, and I have to play it again. I'm like, that is loads of fun. Almost the sort of thing where you can't play it for very long because A, you're laughing too much, and B, it's so fast and it basically almost becomes a bullet hell when you're the when you're the hero that it's just it's so intense you just sit there going ah you, just, you have this combination of like trying to hang in there so you can win but also just wanting it to end when you're the hero which is I, I kind of like that that it's like you're the hero your life is now hell like, you're the hero you're being swamped by 18 gnomes. all of your friends are laughing at you whilst they beat you up yeah um, no I thought it was pretty cool anyway let's I'm still do some waiting questions. for Overcooked Overcooked yeah well that's being published by Team 17 so that'll yeah. be on bloody everything so sooner come on alright alright let's do some questions questions if you would like to ask a question 
to daft cells then you can i don't know what came over me there that was weird and unsettling for me i don't know how it was for you okay great um then you can do so in an unusual way you go to coolghosts.net slash daft hyphen souls there's a big button that says ask us questions and we have a big question comment thread you can upvote questions alike ask questions yourself you can you know i guess comment with things that aren't questions um but that would be illegal it would be illegal and the police will be round your house post haste all right okay we have Mr. TRN, or Mrs., I don't know. Um, he says here, okay, I have three questions. Well, all right, all He right, says in brackets, right. cheating. I'm calling the police. But it has been upvoted 17 times, so I, I'm going to say that, that, okay, we'll what see. What are we, like done. communists? The people don't rule this. They literally do in this circumstance, but in all other <laughs> circumstances, they have no power. Okay. Anyway, question. When was the last time you lied about having played a game? What was the game? And why did you lie? Ah, oh, I don't lie because in my line of work, I would be found out. Yeah, I think it's like I must have done it, but I, I must have done it a long, long time ago. Well, it's not like because now there's no benefits that. But I think when you're younger, especially, you do that. But lots of things. Somebody says, "Oh, you've seen this film?" And you go, "Yeah, yeah." Well, with um, films, but especially with books and music, um, it's the case that uh, when people hear the question, they go, like, you know, have you read 1984? And they'll go, in their head, no, but I am the sort of person who would. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I want to present that as yeah, a so version of myself in the world. it's probably easiest if I just say yes. Because so then they know... They I'm know the sort of... kind of person I am, yeah. yeah. But with games, games take so long, and, you know, there's not an enormous amount of prestige from playing them. I think that's them. more when the lie comes in, is, is to do with lying about having finished stuff. Okay. Because it's like, it was more, and I, I care, I don't care about that at all. Now, oh, I, I remember when I was younger, I definitely lied about finishing a bunch of stuff. I could see from my work, um, people saying, if I'm, if I'm really espousing a game, but I didn't have time to finish it, I could, I, I could see myself lying about it. Like, did you finish it? I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, because it's as great as I'm saying it is. <laughs> um, but I honestly have no memory of doing I that. I remember actually. That's it cool. Was, um, it, this is uh, based on. Uh, a lie? Uh, yeah, I remember realizing that I. For years, I had said that I'd finished Final Fantasy VII, and then it wasn't <laughs> because it was like kind of almost like yeah, of course I've finished, and actually I didn't, and I didn't realize that for years. It was because it's where, one of those lies where you lie so many times. That I started to you believe start it. to yeah. Human brains are terrifying. I know, and um, I have a friend who lost his nipple ring in an accident and told three variations of how he lost it and how he's forgotten which one is the real one. Wow, that's funny. Mm. That's like the three blind monkeys thing. Not three blind monkeys. That'd be, that's just a terrible accident in the zoo. <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? You know about? what I mean? The see no evil, hear no evil. Like, okay. Which one is the... No, no, actually, I'm just completely... Ignore everything. <laughs> I was... Just mentally... I didn't mean to back you into a corner there. I thought that if I probed, no, you no. would tell me something interesting. That's a reasonable thing to do. As it stands, we're just going to have to treat this as being one of those circumstances where, like, we all have to collectively pretend that, that didn't happen until we're convinced that that didn't happen. Speaking of that, have you finished Final Fantasy VII now? No. And it was weird, because it was only about five years ago I realised this when I started looking at cutscenes for the end of the game. <laughs> and I was like, hang on, I've never seen this. But I completed the game. Turns out that big fucking crater at the end full of undead dragons was just a pain in the dick. And also I did that thing of just going off and trying to kill all the ruby weapons, all the weapons. Oh, uh, yeah, don't you And that. then I just that is very lost you. interest. But then again, like, lots of people lie about that. Lots of people say, oh, yeah, I killed ruby weapon. But most people didn't. Just people think they did. Wasn't there a weapon you couldn't kill as well? No, I think you could kill them all. Just some of them were, like, real arseholes. 
Um, What's his second question? Second question is, what is your most recent guilty pleasure game? The candy floss for breakfast game, the sickly one that you know is bad for you, or just plain bad, but you play it anyway. I have so many of these at the moment. I'm really bad for them. But I don't, because... Well, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I'm one of those. Uh, You know, like, whether it's to do with musical games, I think that if you like something, then you just like it, and there's no, like, liking it ironically. There's no guilty pleasure. If you like something, it's because it succeeds at what it's set out to do, which is entertaining. Yeah, but I think with games especially, there is a tendency to, like, um, to know that you're being played and to still go along with it. To yeah. know that you're not really getting anything meaningful out of it. And you know this, because you often like say to me, quite rightly, Matt, why are you still playing that? When Well, I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, I, when I am being played, I tend to just stop. Yeah, it's like you're good at not, not kind of being yes. hooked by these things, but yeah. I'm less good at that. So I'm still playing Clash Royale, even though like <laughs> it's diminishing returns. I am the worst drug pusher, where it's like, I'm not even like, Hey boy, you know, first one's free. I'm like, I guess I've got this cocaine, Matthew. Do you want some? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, come back later. And I'm just like, I really like cocaine now. Yeah, what but am I doing? It's, it's a milder situation because obviously cocaine is an incredibly addictive and dangerous substance. And Clash Royale is a, quite an innovative, perfectly acceptable, free-to-play lane pusher. So um, <laughs> that's fine. There was a joke there that you didn't take. No. Um, I liked the surprise of you not doing it. That was good. Got to keep you on your toes. Uh, so, question number three. Yeah. Says, I may have asked this before. So, if so, I apologise. Very polite. I like you. Um, are there any video game soundtracks you listen to for pleasure? Quite a few. Ooh, I listened a lot to the Bastion soundtrack after my last serious breakup. And it was <laughs> a cathartic experience. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at you. No, you should. It's but ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't usually listen to video game soundtracks, but I would listen to like soulful acoustic guitar and look out of my window and oh, think about my life. Wow. Yeah. wow. For me, that was uh, probably uh, in the aeroplane over the sea. That's what I did when I had my last big breakup. Well, that's a cooler album. It's a fucking great album. Listen to that one. Um, Tell you what, Bastion soundtrack's not bad. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I listened to tons of stuff when I when I used to write um, a lot more. I don't write as much these days, mm. so I don't listen to it. But I used to like the Portal 2 soundtrack. Fantastic for writing. Um, and uh, the Fez soundtrack as well. Like, kind of annoyed me because all the songs are actually very short and they loop. But I wanted them to, like, last a bit longer. Huh, I, if I was going running again, I'm at the gym this summer, so I'm listening to podcasts. But if I was running, then I might listen to the Crypt of the Necrodancer soundtrack. I swear there's been some... There's a soundtrack recently that was super good. There's been a lot. Music and games is getting very strong at the moment. Mm, I will. I would. I tell you the one recently. I just got blown. I was after I finished Undertale, and you need to finish. Undertale. Oh God! Yes, I do. I know. I know. I need to finish Undertale. I need to catch up with Kentucky Route Zero, and for some reason, it's I'll one of these what, things where everyone always says, "Oh, you need to," but like every the fiance so is going crazy. away next week, and then I'm just going to be like playing Infinity, and uh, which is a miniatures game. And I'm going to be playing Kentucky Route Zero Undertale because I'm going to have a lot of evenings in by myself. Undertale's amazing. It's not even that long. In fact, you, you might get occasionally stuck. I'm probably halfway through it. You, you're probably more than that. But if you get stuck, just like DM me or something. I'll tell you what to do. Okay. So you don't have to spoil it. But it's like... No, dude, I will. I promise. Oh, I promise. But no, it was weird how I liked that game and then I finished it. And then the, the final kind of hour or two of that... Um, just made me love it so much that then I just spent like weeks listening to the soundtrack and just became like, it's bizarre. I've never had a game like that before. I've been like, I really like this game. And then just finishing it and that last finishing arc just went like suddenly from, I really like this game to, I am a super fan of this game. Mm. And now I get why it is this like incredible fandom. Um, Because once you've got to that point and once you've done that, it's like, 
it's like you've just had something branded into your flesh. It's just like I'm I'm here for life now. This is me. Like I'm buying an Undertale t-shirt. I did buy an Undertale. T-shirt. I saw that on your. Page. I, don't, I don't even buy like game video branded game t-shirts. game t-shirts. Yeah, but I'll have one of them because man, that's the sort of game where I will be happy to have people come up to me in the street and say that's an awesome game, and I'll go, yes, it is. And um, the person saying that will be like nine. Absolutely, and that's, that's they probably won't approach you because you're awesome. Thirty, and then their mum will say, "Don't talk to the strange man." Yeah, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Can I fist bump your child?" Oh god! And they'll think that's some sort of internet slang, and then the police arrive. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, who was that guy? The that guy who asked was that question? TRN. Three questions, TRN. But they were all good. They were all good. They were all short. There was no waffle, and there was nothing really complicated. Often we have really good questions, but the sort of questions that you want to get asked at the start of a weekend, and then sit on a beach for three days thinking about them. Like, yeah. I can't do them on a podcast. Let's uh, let's eat our metaphorical vegetables and do one of those difficult questions now before we close out the podcast. <sighs> okay, right. So because we um, got to go do a live Cool Ghosts patron <laughs> hangout. Right. Okay. Um, this is um <laughs> Oh Matt looks genuinely concerned. No, it's just it's I'm gonna read the question first. Okay. And then I'm gonna tell you who it's from. Okay. Say, so, do you think there's room for the self-help market in video games and what existing games, if any, could function as a self-help game? I feel the need to learn CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. However, since reading books is shit for nerds. I've been wondering how a video game could help teach these techniques. I play video games as an escape from depression, so why can't video games also teach me how to control my thought processes? And this is a question from DickShitter69. (laughs) 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 Which, uh, Uh, the disparity of that made me laugh. When I was scanning the... the, the, I was like, at some point there's going to be a turnaround here, isn't there? But no, there isn't. It's fine. I know... Oh, I regret making you read this question out now. I know very little, embarrassingly little about depression. I don't know what CBT is. Um, I will look that up. Oh, I know about uh, CBT. Hit me. Cognitive behavioural therapy is um, it's quite video gamey, actually. It's uh, a case of looking for patterns. So it's a case of trying to improve your mental state by noticing uh, the like, almost the traps that you keep falling into. Oh, right. And then like teaching yourself to think differently about those things and Ooh. teaching yourself to specifically go... It's almost like the idea of every time you get on one path, you're then locked onto that. Do you mean like, uh, would an example of this be like, when I'm in a blue mood, I go on social media and then I get sadder because yeah, I'm on social media? Yeah, something like that. I mean, there's lots of things. It's kind of usually part of therapy. So it's the idea of like trying to work out the roots of, of what your problem is. And not in terms of being like, you had a bad time with your father. In terms of like, often it being like about the actual mental process you're going down. Like, so when you start thinking about this, how do you think? And how do you immediately like... Yeah. It's, it's basically the way of stopping you from sliding down a hill. It's noticing the bits that push you over the edge of the hill and learning to think about it in a different way so the route you take is different. And maybe you go down the hill a bit, but not as far. Okay. It's quite clever, quite modern stuff. I mean, it's the, it's the root of a lot of um, helpful modern therapy. I mean, my understanding is that a lot of people do use video games. For de- like, it's not necessarily there's one video game that's good for depression, but a lot of people use them in general, right? Just they do. To- sort of like get them through difficult times. I mean, you yourself um, ended up playing a lot of Destiny. I did. When I you did. were having a tough year. Um, and there was actually a really great piece on uh, Vice's gaming thing this week by Gary Dutton, who's on the Chat Radio Good podcast, the podcast that Joe Scrabbles does. And uh, he wrote... That's, that's Chat Very Good. Everybody. Yeah, sorry. We're really bad at... Um, Gary Dutton, Chat Very Good, Vice. There we are. That's, Nailed it. That's the kind of like caps letters bit. Uh, but he talks about how he was using uh, video games when he was having a stressful time. But he was also saying that video games, you know... we. It's, we're a bit too easy sometimes to talk about them being 
a catch-all for depression and stuff, and they're not the panacea for mental health problems. And actually, sometimes they're really useful, but sometimes they, they actually, they your reliance on them can be a problem. And I think that's a really good point as well. The fact that like, there is a tendency sometimes for us all to treat them as being like these wonderful things. And they're not always. Like I found myself like Destiny was fantastic for me because it was a very simple repetitive loop um, with mainly me talking to friends. So it was mainly me having phone conversations whilst doing it. However, I found myself in the past few weeks, like not very recently, but in the past months, still having patches where I become very and I found that actually things like Clash Royale, not good for that. Like being like, I know what I need, a little dose of of uh, like head to head fighting with other people. Like that sometimes doesn't help. So it's interesting that it is like um, video games can be really helpful for these things. But I think to treat them as being like always beneficial is maybe not a good idea. They're, yeah. they're a tool. They're a tool like anything else. They're a very powerful one, but... Uh, I mean, with regards to... What, what exactly was Dick Shitter's Well, he was... <laughs> Dick Shitter's Dick Shitter 69. Um, yes. He was basically asking if there were games that could teach CBT, uh, which is tricky because... I mean, games... I do believe that games are... Uh, actually one of the single best um, means to teach anyone anything. I yeah, think. I think so as well. I think that people who grapple with systems um, often understand them in a way that they don't if you're just telling people about them. Like, it was... Um, you know, I always... It's, it's, well, it's, it's the act of repetition, isn't it? And a lot of CBT is about that. It's about, like, repeatedly going through the same thing until you get it right, of being like, no, don't think that. Yeah. Think oh, well, now then we're getting into the area of, uh, like, gamification of our, you know, everyday lives and uh, all the... Um, incredibly creepy uh, theories of like uh, gamifying things like brushing your teeth and showing up to work on time which we talked about before that China already is experimenting with yeah absolutely and a lot of companies already are as well there is a comment actually here um, by Tomato Boxer uh, oh god yeah let's just read out what uh, our so comments are saying there's a neat little Channel 4 commission game called Super Sight it tries to teach players about cognitive distortions through a five level brawler so that's interesting I think the difficulty with trying to teach people about these things you could teach someone the concept maybe but obviously the whole thing about CBT is it's it's very custom it's very like you know it's made for you because everyone has very specific issues and mm-hmm. it's like, to try and have something as a cash all for that that's probably not going to work I think at the end of the day yeah, it's a serious note, but if you are finding yourself in a dark place and self-medicating with video games, that's fine. If they help you, that's good. But it's always good to try and talk to somebody as well. Talk to your GP. They'll try and sort you out with some other methods. A GP is um, uh, what we have in England. It stands for a General Practitioner of Wizardry. General Practitioner of Wizardry. If you can't find one of them, just a doctor. Uh, They're good as well. I suppose. I mean, they don't know magic spells, though. They're not going to sort you out, nah, really. it's. I mean, it takes more time, obviously, if you can't have magic. Magic spells are always... Uh, if you can use magic spells, it's always best. I mean, EU is trying to stop us from casting magic spells, though. So, hey, maybe this podcast will be a relic in a year's time. Probably will. And I'm talking of magic spells. I'm now going to cast a teleport spell to teleport us into the kitchen so we can eat a curry. It's a bit pointless, <laughs> but hey, I'm feeling, I'm feeling flippant. If you enjoy listening to me and Matt witter about topics and subjects, then uh, one way you can do that in a very personal way is by supporting us on CoolGhosts.net and joining us for monthly patron hangouts where me and Matt talking to a camera. You can ask us questions. We do put those on our Cool Ghosts YouTube channel if you want to watch them after the fact. But if you want to get involved asking questions and chatting with the uh, about 100 or so people who uh, who watch us every month, then uh, hey, that's a thing you can do. Yeah, we're doing the next live hangout tonight. So you're going to miss this one. But if you want to get involved next time, it'll be about a month away. Uh, so just go to Cool Ghosts, Cool Ghosts.net and look at the Patreon stuff. We can't pronounce Dark Souls or Cool Ghosts. <sighs> we're just useless. We're let's a, let's, let's, let's do a magic spell. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.